Good morning. Great to see everybody today. It finally stopped raining. We're all happy about that, aren't we? We could use the rain, but boy, we got it, didn't we? Big time. All right, we're going to talk about John chapter 15 today. And this is the story about abiding in the vine, remaining in the vine. And maybe you've heard the teaching of Christ about this before yourself. Uh, I have for years uh, been in church and we used to sing songs about abiding, 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 abiding in the vine and things like this. And it obviously is a powerful passage and uh, just very important, great stuff there. But here's the truth. Here's the truth for you. You know, I've been through Bible college and I've been through seminary and I read this passage. And though it is so powerful, it does nothing for me. Uh, there's some kind of kick there. There's some kind of power in this passage. I just can't figure out exactly what it is. And so I've been reading this thing uh, over and over and over again for the past couple weeks, trying to figure out what is being talked about here. And today, th this is what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to dissect what exactly is Jesus trying to say here about this abiding in the vine and apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. So the title of the message today is, is how to ride a roller coaster without getting sick. How to ride a roller coaster without getting sick. So uh, we're in amusement park season right now, right? And for those of you who have kids, you definitely know that we're in the amusement park season right now. So I went to amusement parks until I was, I don't know, 17, 18 years old. And then I'm not paying to go to amusement parks anymore because it's out of my pocket. My parents were paying for it when I was younger. And I'm not going to pay to go to amusement parks. So I stopped going to amusement parks. And then I have kids. And now I'm paying for them to go to amusement parks. And what I realize is in between 18 and whatever my 30s, Something happened. Something happened to me. And I used to ride those things all day long, and I loved it, and it was great. And now I get on them, and I get a raging headache. Like, uh, I can just walk in the park. It used to be I had to ride the ride to get the headache. I don't have to ride the ride anymore. I don't even need the ride. I just walk in the park, and the headache hits me. Boom. So when I walk in, I immediately take the Advil, and then I take it before and after every single ride. Because the <laughs> headache is so powerful. But what happens when you ride the roller coaster? You have all the ups and you have the downs and you're just all over the place. And it's kind of like life, right? In our lives, every single one of us, we experience all kinds of ups and downs. And John chapter 15 is about dealing or managing with those ups and downs in an effective way, in a very effective way. So what happens to us on a regular basis? You know, we're walking through the hallway at work. Somebody, somebody gives us a compliment and we go way up here. We turn the corner. Somebody gives us a criticism and we go down here, right? We go out and we have a really great meal. Man, the food was great. It was awesome. Maybe we were with some good people and we're way up here. And the next morning we get on the scale and weigh ourselves and we gain five pounds and we go down here, right? The doctor calls and says, look, all the tests are negative. You're okay. And we're, whoo, we feel great. Doctor calls and says, you need treatment immediately or you need surgery and you're, you're way down here. You get a promotion, you get laid off. And so all these things, this roller coaster ride, and it just, it just rolls constantly. This is what John chapter 15 is about. Because in John chapter 15, if you're tracking through the book of John, the disciples. Now, Jesus here in John 15 is talking to 11 of his disciples. Judas is gone. He's gone out to betray him. He's somewhere, someplace in Jerusalem, doing his, concocting his little scheme, right? So he's talking just to the 11 guys. Now, think, everybody, what has these 11 guys been through? They've been through a roller coaster ride with Jesus for the past three or less years, 
three or less years of all kinds of ups and downs. I mean, Jesus changes the water into wine and is, woo, it's party time in John chapter 2, right? And they're just way up on the, on the mountain and they're feeling great. And then in John chapter 5, he heals this man who has been paralyzed for 38 years. And he's up and he's walking and he's running through the streets and everybody's excited, but he did it on the Sabbath. And so a bunch of people got mad at him and wanted to kill Jesus for doing that. And so they're down here. Then John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with a couple, you know, pieces of bread and, and a fish. And they're like, whoa. And then to top that off, in the middle of the night, they see him and he's walking on water. So they're way up here. John chapter 9, he heals a man that's been born blind. But the religious leaders get very upset that he's done it on the Sabbath. And so they say, you know, we're going to kill you for this. And now the disciples are down here. John chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Now, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool trick to perform, right? I don't know if David Copperfield can do that, but that is pretty awesome. He raises Lazarus. Guy's been dead four days. Raises him from the dead. They're up here. And then the religious leaders decide this. They say, you know what? That's it. That's the final straw. We're killing you. We have decided. We have determined. We're making a pact. We're killing you. And now we're down here, and the disciples know it. You know, they know that, you know, there's a price on his head. So up and down, the disciples go. So we talked a couple weeks ago that now they're in the upper room, the first communion meal. Now we are just moments away from the rest of Jesus Christ. And Jesus washes the disciples' feet. They celebrate communion. And then he tells them, one of you is going to betray me. And then he looks at Peter and says, you know what, Peter? You're not going to betray me, but you're going to deny that you even know me. And then in John chapter 14, he says, look, I'm leaving. Now they're way down here. They've experienced this roller coaster ride up and down. Then at the end of John chapter 14, Jesus says these words and says, okay, guys, let's leave. Now, if you can picture this, this is what you need to know. They're leaving the upper room at the end of John chapter 14, and they're walking through the city of Jerusalem. It's nighttime. It's the middle of night. There's a full moon. We know there's a full moon because it's Passover, and that's the, that's the calendar. That's the schedule they follow. The, Full moon. It's the only time you do Passover is when it's a full moon. So they're walking through the city, and they're walking by the temple. And as they walk by the temple, this is what Jesus says. John 15, verse number 1. In your Bible, it's on the back of your uh, little blue program, whatever, however you want to follow. Jesus says this, I am the true vine. Now, let's just stop there. It's uh, one of the few places I'll stop. I need to explain something here. He says, I am, I am the true vine. So they're walking by this, they're walking by this temple, everybody, and... On the front of the temple, you have these big, huge golden doors. And on the golden doors is a vine, a grapevine, and its branches, which is the symbol. The grapevine is the symbol of God, and the branches are the symbol of his true followers. So they're walking through the city. It's the middle of the night. The full moon is shining on those golden doors. It lights up that vine and branches, and Jesus looks over and says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. 
now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you belong. You do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Is there a word that is repeated there often? Remain, like over and over and over again. Let's pray. Lord, you have something you want to say here from John chapter 15. And it's something powerful, but uh, we need a powerful intervention from you to help us understand what it is you're trying to say to us. And how John chapter 15, the teaching you gave us here, can help us maintain balance. How can we manage the ups and downs of life that every single one of us goes through? Because of what we learn in John chapter 15. God, help us. In Christ's name, amen. Okay. Jesus is speaking to these disciples. They are walking through the city. He knows, he knows this. That shortly after he is gone, he's going to be, this very night, he's going to be arrested. The next day, he's going to be crucified. They're going to keep following him, and they're going to be banned from the temple worship. Right? They're going to be thrown out of the temple and say, you know, you can't worship here anymore because you're followers of Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean to them? Well, they felt this, that if they couldn't be in the temple, they were cut off from a relationship with God. And in addition to that, they were cut off from their community. So their social connections here on earth were done because they're banned from the temple. And the relationship with God is cut off. Now, he knows that. And so he says them this. He says, look, I need you guys to know this. I am the true vine. It's a relationship with me that matters. It's not a religion. It's not, a re it's not because you're part of a particular nation or a group of people. It's because you have a relationship with me. He's trying to get this across to them. Now, he says to them over and over again, he says, I am uh, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me and I in you. What does the word remain? Because it's used here over and over again. It simply means this. It means to be in a continuing relationship with Christ and a constant relationship or a consistent relationship with him. So the first thing to put down here on the back of your bulletin is write this in. Remain connected to Jesus. This isn't rocket science. Remain connected connected Jesus. You and I all know this. We know there are times when there's somebody in our life when we have a good relationship with them, when things are going well in that relationship, and when things aren't going well. There have been times in my life when I've had really down times, or I've even had really up times. And I know, I know if my relationship with Jesus Christ is going well. I know that when we are having a meaningful relationship, and I also know there's times when we don't. So what is it that you need to do to have that relationship with Christ that remains consistent and constant? And all Jesus is saying here by the saying this word over and over again about abiding and remaining, he's saying the relationship with me, talking to me, talking to Jesus, carving out time in your calendar to sync up with Jesus Christ, however that works for you, however that works for you, is going to keep you on an even keel in all the ups and downs of life. That all of us need that. And when it is lacking, it's going to rock our world in a big way. 
All of us are going to experience the ups and downs. And the only way to hold ourselves steady is to remain in this consistent relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, after he says that, he lays the groundwork by saying that. Make sure you're consistent. Make sure you're continuing that relationship. He gives us some practical ways in which we can do that, which I really appreciate because I need that. I mean, there's only so much I can listen to somebody tell me, you need to be in a relationship with Jesus. You need to be in a relationship with Jesus. Okay, all right, I got you. I need a relationship with Jesus. How do I do that? And that's where the power and that's where the kick comes from as he goes through this passage. So this is one of the ways. I'll give you three practical ways that he says in John chapter 15. Here's the thing. Research the Bible. Research the Bible. He says in verse number 10, all right, this is what he says. If you obey my commands, you will remain. So how do I remain? How do I keep doing this abiding thing in Jesus Christ? He says, all right, if you will obey my commands, then you are going to remain. All right. How in the world am I going to know uh, what Christ's commands are unless I'm actually researching the Bible to figure that out? I can't rely on somebody else to tell me. It, that doesn't work. I have to, at some point, take the initiative on my own and say, you know what? I'm not going to let you tell me what God's commands are. I have to research it for myself. Now, once I realize what the commands are, that doesn't mean that I've got the ball game settled. Because then I've got to go and figure out how I can actually apply those commands to my life. How do I correctly obey them it's one thing to know the commands it's another thing to actually obey them how do you do it the right way because you know what we can do those things the wrong way and so then we have to go and we have to study the bible research the bible and figure out okay now i know what the commands are how do i actually then implement in my life in a correct way so we have to research the bible in order to do that all right now here's a question for you is the bible exciting to you or is it boring don't raise your hand is the Bible exciting to you or is it boring? Now, the reality is, is when I get with small groups of people and we're behind a closed door or whatever and we're talking in like a small setting of five or six people, uh, inevitably somebody's going to open up and they're going to answer really honestly. They're going to say, you know what, man, I tell you what, the Bible's boring to me. I'm not getting anything out of it. Doesn't mean a thing. So here's some of the things I've heard back about how to make the Bible not so boring, all right? What translation of the Bible are you reading? Some people say to me, you know what, what's up with the Bible with all the these and thous? I mean, is that the way Jesus talked with thee, this, and thou, that? He didn't. That's the way King James talked 500 years ago in Elizabethan English. Take a look at what translation you're reading. If the these and the thous don't work for you, get another translation. Move away from the King James. Get an NIV, which is a new international version. Get a new living translation. I think we have some Bibles around the corner that the contemporary English version. That's very simple. Take the these and the thous out and get it in a translation in a way that you can understand it. How about this? Pick up a Bible, like a life application Bible, that has commentary notes at the bottom of it that gives you some historical significance of what's going on. That brings the Bible to life. I've already told you, this passage, John 15, for me, as a pastor, for years, did absolutely nothing. Zero. Zip. There's no kick to it. As readers, oh, abide in the vine. Okay, wonderful. Great, let's abide in the vine. It obviously is a very critical moment in the life of Jesus Christ, very critical moment in the life of his disciples. I mean, is he, just, is he just passing the time of day and saying, I don't know what else to talk about right now as we walk through the city, so let's just talk about, hey, you know, you guys ought to abide in me. No, his words are really important, but it's doing nothing for me. But you know what did something for me? Is when I realized that Jesus Christ had just walked out of the upper room. He's headed to his arrest, and he knows that, and the pressure is mounting. And he's walking through the city of Jerusalem in the middle of the night, walking to his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they're passing by the temple in the middle of the night. And the full moon is shining. And his 
lighting up the golden doors of the temple. And Jesus looks over there and he sees that vine which represents him and its branches rep represents his followers. And he says, I'm the true vine. You guys are the branches. You got to stay connected to me. And I said, ah, now that gives me a little bit of something to work with. If I read it without that historical context, if I read it without knowing that stuff, it just lays there flat. Lays there flat. So get yourself a commentary. All right, sign up for one of our classes that we do about how to research the Bible. We've done a couple of these. We're going to do some more. If you're interested in one, rip out your Connect card that Derek talks about all the time. Write it down. Hey, I'm interested in one of those classes. And we'll go through some principles about how to research the Bible and bring it to life. It's not a boring book. It's a very exciting and relevant book. But boy, we can, we can bore the heck out of it, can't we? There's some things that we can do to research it, to make it come alive for us. All right? How about this one? You could go. We ask people sometimes, well, when is the Bible exciting to you? When do, and people say this to all of us. You know what? When, when I come to church on Sundays and I hear a message, you know, particularly when it's on some topics, and the Bible is explained in a relevant way, man, it becomes so exciting to me. Well, you could do this. You go to our website, trygrace.org. We have hundreds of messages under the message tab in that website. You can listen to them. You can watch them because a bunch of them are on video. You can podcast them. You know what? Take one. Listen to one a week. See if it doesn't make the Bible more exciting to you. Try that out. All right. Grace's mission. Let me, let me conclude by saying this under Research the Bible. People, a lot of times people say, hey, you know, John, what's this church all about? What are you guys, what are you trying to do? Let me tell you what we're trying to do here in a nutshell. This is all we're trying to do. Matthew 28, Jesus says, last words in the book of Matthew, go and make disciples. That's what he tells his followers. Go and make disciples. All right. This is not, this is not complicated. I complicated it myself for many years, but it's not complicated. In order for me to make somebody else to be a disciple who is a learner, that means I got to be what? I got to be a teacher. I got to be a teacher. So I've got to learn how to study the Bible, right? And then I got to help them understand the Bible, and then i got to help them repeat that process where they can teach somebody else about the Bible. Now, if the Bible's boring to me, and I'm talking to my friend, when I say teacher, I don't mean you to stand up here and do this. You could do it in front of a small group of 10 people, teacher, or you could just be talking to your friend. If you're talking to your friend about the Bible and the Bible's boring to you, do you think your friend knows the Bible's boring to you? This would be a good time to shake your head. Yes, absolutely. Bored. They're bored to death because they know that you're bored to death. But if you will research the Bible to the point that it's understandable to you, it's relevant to you, that it comes alive to you, and then you can teach them to do the same, that process is repeated over and over again, and that's how you make disciples and fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ in this world. It's as simple as that, and that's all this church is really all about. All right, let's move on. Here's the second practical way, the second practical way that he gives us that we abide in Jesus Christ. Reach out to other branches. You reach out to other branches. Verse number 12, Jesus says this. He says, my command is this, love on each other or love each other. All right, so he already told us this. He said, if you want to remain in me, you got to obey my commands. Now he says, I'm going to give you one of those commands, and that command is this, love on each other. Love on each other. So if you look at a vine, a grapevine, everybody, you got the vine, and you got all these branches coming off of it. What you don't see when you see a grapevine is you don't see one branch all by itself shooting out over here, and there's no other branches around it, right? What you see is a bunch of branches that have themselves intertwined with each other. So if I'm a branch of Jesus Christ, right, if I'm trying to follow Jesus Christ, 
I'm not standing off by myself. If I'm meaningfully connected to the vine, then that means my life is intertwined with other branches that are also meaningfully connected to the vine. So what we have to do is we have to reach out to other people who are also followers of Jesus Christ because that creates the relational web that he's talking about here that when we go through the ups and downs of life, it doesn't rock our world. We have to do that. Now, we talk about this all the time. We talk about being in community groups and being in life groups and attending the parties that we have here or going out to lunch with people after church. All this kind of stuff that you should do. Let me give you, let me give you one other thing. We've never talked about this before. We have some people uh, here at Grace that, for whatever reason, they go MIA for a couple weeks, missing in action, out. We don't see them for a couple weeks. Maybe it's a week, two weeks, three weeks. Maybe it's five or six, seven weeks. And uh, sometimes we catch on to it, and, you know, we give them a call. Now, let me just time out here. You might be sitting there saying, you know what? I went missing for eight weeks, and you guys never gave me a call, so what's up with that? <laughs> All right, let me clarify. We could implement certain systems in this, inside of this church that every time you went missing, we'd know it, the alarm bells would go off, and we would give you a call. But you wouldn't like that. Are we clear? <laughs> there are certain things that we could do, right? You wouldn't like it, so let's all just be realistic. So sometimes we recognize that somebody's missing, we see it, and we give the little phone call, we shoot the email, and we eventually talk to the people. You know what the people say, all the branches? You know what all you all say? Say, you know what, it's pretty cool that you recognized and you reached out, you know, I was going through a tough time, busy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But you know what would have been really cool? I know other people. I know other branches at Grace. And it would have been neat if some of the other branches, rather than the staff, some of the other branches would have called me up. So here's what you do. Uh, You look around yourself right now. And... Is there a branch missing? Is there a branch? Somebody that you know. Now, here's the thing. If you're brand new here, what does that have to do with me? It has nothing to do with you right now. (laughs) It has nothing to do with you. But if you've been coming here for more than six months and you don't know some other branches here, that's a problem. If you're not meaningfully connected, intertwined, reaching out, that's a problem. So if there's a branch, and you should know another branch if you've been here more than six months, and they're not here, you should reach out to them. This is what we do. This is the way we stay intertwined. Jesus says that if we will do this, we are truly and genuinely abiding in him. This is what we have to do. All right, let me give you one last one, everybody. He says, remember to whom you belong. This is verse 18 and 19. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. I've always loved that verse for some reason. It hates you, remember? hated me first. Okay. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Let's stop right there. First thing I want to tell you is this. He makes it very clear. Jesus Christ makes it very clear that you have been chosen. Now, who's been chosen? Every single person sitting here has been chosen. Every single one of us has been chosen. To do what? To fulfill his mission to spread his message of hope, of salvation, of eternal life, of transformation, to do that. Now, you might say, John, I've never been in a church before. This is my first time in church. I've never heard about Jesus Christ. I'm just here checking it out, man. Nobody's chosen me. I'm just here checking it out. And what I want to say to you is this. The fact that you're sitting here is because Jesus Christ has drawn you to this moment, chosen by him. I hope that makes sense. That's clear. Every single one of us here, hearing the message in the Bible is proof and evidence that we have all been chosen because Jesus sees something in every single one of us. He sees something. He says, I have chosen. Now, it's up to us whether or not we want to 
join the team. We have to make that decision. He says before this is remember who you belong to. Now here's the thing, everybody. It's going to be really hard for us to abide or remain in Jesus Christ and to deal with all the ups and downs that we go through in life when we put too much emphasis on the world that we're living in here right now. All right, this world is a blip on the radar screen. Now, I want to be clear. It's a big blip. It's an important blip. I'm not, I'm not decreasing that. But if we put more interest or more emphasis on what's happening right here than on the world to come, which is heaven, we lose perspective. And it's very difficult for us to remain or to abide in Jesus Christ in an effective way. And then when we go through the ups and downs, we come around that roller coaster, man, we just go flying off or we're throwing up or whatever. It's going to rock our world. It's going to rock us. If we put too much emphasis on this life, remember who you belong to. About five weeks ago, uh, I did a wedding down in Mount Vernon. Zach and uh, Julie Stewart were uh, married down in Mount Vernon about five or six weeks ago or something like that. I was there Friday night for the rehearsal. And we did the rehearsal, and I'm, I'm walking out, and there's a whole group. I never, you know, all these people I haven't met before, they're coming in from all over the states and this kind of stuff. And so I'm walking out of the rehearsal, and there's a group of people, and they stop, and they say, hey, hey. And I said, yes. And they said, are you pastor? And I said, yes, I am. They said, wow, man, I can't believe you're a pastor. And I said, well, why, why would you say that? <laughs> you know, they said, Man, you're too young. There's no way you're a pastor. How old are you? I said, I'm 43 years old. They said, no way. You're not 40. I said, yeah. We have never. Man, you look You look like you're in your late 20s, man. <laughs> I mean, 30 years old at best. You, you're young. I said, thank you. I said, I said, so I went walking out of there, 43 years old. I'm walking back to my car. It's a long walk to my car. I'm thinking the whole way back there, oh, man, I'm 43. But you know what? I'm like late 20s i got so i got so much life to live i mean i got so much i can do because i'm i'm young i feel good so i go back the next day to do the wedding and i'm walking out of the ceremony and you know we're in the you know the reception it's kind of the in-between time between the real reception is what do you call that happy hour or whatever that's going on in between right and so i'm standing there with my wife krista and i'm with some of the family members in from other states a whole never different group i never met these people before and derek is there with me and derek's getting ready to, he, to have his baby and we're having this long conversation with this group of people and i just said i just remarked yeah derek's getting ready to have his baby and and the lady said to me is this your first grandchild It, it caught me so off guard. It caught me so... I just stood there and I looked at her for the longest time. Did I hear you right? Did you say... I said, excuse me? She said, is this your son, Derek? Is this his first child? Or does he have other kids? How many grandkids do you have? She's dead serious. I said, are you serious? Yes. It took me five minutes to convince her that Derek wasn't my son. How much have you drank already? The, the <laughs> ceremony just concluded. What is happening here? Now listen, if I put too much emphasis on this world that we're living in, that would have rocked me, everybody. I mean, I was like, I've got one foot in the grave here already. I'm like, a, I'm half dead. I mean, yesterday, I was life was just like wide open to me. And now I'm in the cemetery already. I can't believe what is happening to me. See, Jesus Christ teaches John 15 to help us deal with those ups and downs of life. And he says, research my word. That's how you stay. That's how you remain in me. That's how you stay vitally connected and consistent and constant relation. Research the Bible. Man, if the Bible's born to you, do something about it. 
please do something about it because it, it's not a boring book, I guarantee you. All right, reach out to other branches and then remember to whom you belong. So see, Jesus knows. For those of us who are dealing with some health issues, uh, maybe some job situations, maybe the loss of a job, the loss of a relationship, it's this teaching in John chapter 15 that will hold you and I steady. And here's what I'd really like to do. I was praying about it this past week. What, how, how, should, how should we conclude this? And this is, this is, this is what I felt to do. So I'm going to ask the music team if they'll come up uh, and, 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 and play. They're going to play here in a second. And those of you on the prayer team that are going to help me out, if you guys can come up too. There are those of us in this room there are those of us in this room that are experiencing some drama in our lives. Maybe we're experiencing, but we've, we're in a major down point right now. Uh, or maybe we have a family member or we have a friend that's at a major, I mean, some serious stuff going on. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's health, maybe it's a relationship. And so I asked the music team to come up and to play one final song. We're going we're to cut off some lights here in a second. And we're all going to stand up and the prayer team and I are, are going to be up here. I really believe that John 15, Jesus gave us this teaching that's going to help to hold us steady. But I also believe this about today, praying about it, that God wants to intervene. For those of us who are at the bottom of that roller coaster right now and we're feeling really low, I feel like God wants to intervene this morning. And he wants to stabilize some stuff. So whatever you're going through, or whatever a family or friend, somebody you want to lift up, as we stand in just a few moments and turn off the lights and we sing this final song, just come right on up. And let's pray. And let's believe God's going to help us. All right? All right. Let's turn the lights out and let's just uh, let's stand, sing the song, and uh, don't hesitate just to come on up and receive prayer.